Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. <laughs> um, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to rush and say um, how much I love your pastor, my big brother in the ministry, uh, Pastor Brandon Watts. Thank you so much uh, for all that you have uh, been to me um, and uh, my family. I greatly appreciate you and your wife and the boys. I love y'all dearly. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's get in the Word, y'all. Y'all excited about the Word of God today? Okay. Meet me in Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. And if we could, stand for the reading of the Word. Isaiah 43. We're going to be in verse 16 to 19. Um, Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 19. Oh, we got it on the screens too. All right, this is what we do back at home, so I'm going to make y'all do it too. We're going to read it together. Y'all ready? Oh, all right, y'all. Y'all don't seem too ready. It's okay. Amen. All right, on three. One, two, three, go. If I could tag this text for our exchange this still morning, I would tag it, do you see it? Do you see it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for yet another opportunity to open up your word, um, to hear from you what you have for our lives. Lord, I pray that you would use me. I'm just a mere man who is in need someone to take over this ship, to fly this plane. So, Lord, I decrease that you may increase. Give me clarity of mind, clarity of speech, conviction of heart, to tell the truth because it's the truth that sets people free, and we want to be free people in here today. So, Lord, would you be with me, be with us, we hear from your word. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. And every glad heart said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Do you see it? Um, in 1851, there was an English missionary man by the name of Alan Gardner. He was on a ship on his way to South Africa uh, or South America um, for him to open up a mission field there. Ship was wrecked on an island off the coast of South America, and he died there. Before he died, he lived for quite some time with some other survivors. 
Eventually, they all died a painful, terrible death of hunger and thirst. Y'all looking at me funny, like, why would you start a sermon off like that? Everything went wrong for him, though. He never got to the mission field, and he died far from his family. He prayed, though. He prayed, Lord, rescue me. But sadly, no one came, and he still died. His body was found later, along with his journal. The last thing he wrote in his journal was Psalms 34, verse 10. Young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. The very next line underneath his journal, underneath that verse, read this. I am overwhelmed with a sense of God's goodness. Now, if you're honest and I'm honest, which I'm going to be, which I am, I don't think I would write something like that in the situation that he was in. And in fact, this, these last few months for me have been quite difficult. Being reminded that we first children, twins at that, we lose them. Then we get a few months later and wife begins to have difficulty with her body. I experience some pain in my body. We get pregnant again, and we lose another child. It'll be good for me to say that my, my journal read like this, that I'm overwhelmed with the goodness of God. But in actuality, my, my journal reads, I'm overwhelmed. But there's a reality when we come to a text like this, when we have to believe what is true about God, and what is true about his promises. This text is tailored to teach us a promise of God. And this is the promise. God is always working for the good of his people. Let me say it again. God is always working for the good of his people. He's working when we trust him but he's also working when we ignore him. It's the good news of the gospel. We see here earlier in Isaiah, the people of Israel once again are grumbling and uh, they're even accusing God of ignoring their problems. They said, uh, maybe the gods of of, of, of Babylon are greater than our God. What's crazy is they have just been released from the people of Babylon. So how would you say that their God is greater if you just got out from among them? We are blinded constantly in our lives. Thanks God gives, gives or gets from the people of Israel is he doesn't care about us. Yet though he just brought us out. I'm telling to myself once again, this is sometimes my response. Man, God, what is going on? Even though you just helped me get over something. But what's up? How can you do this to me? Y'all quiet in here. It's all right. I'll get to the exciting parts of the sermon. But even when I think like that, it never fails. What happens next? God responds to me in my suffering 
because I suffer from spiritual amnesia at times, and some of us do in this room. He says, son, take a step back and look down memory lane of all the things that I have done for you. Is there anybody grateful for the moments where you can look back? See how gracious and patient the Lord has been with you. Watch this, how gracious and patient he's been with you when you're the one that's tripping. <laughs> I love how God responds to, to, to the, the children, his, his call people, and, and this is the first point. He, 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 he wants us to remember what he did in your past. Remember what he did in your past. Look at verse 16. It says this, this is what the Lord says who made a way in the sea, a path through the raging waters. He says, remember, watch this, remember this also, I am the one who brung the chariots out and the horses and the mighty armies. And they lie down and they do not rise again. They are extinguished like a wick. God's calling them to remember. This is a, 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 a snapshot of what happened in the past in Exodus chapter 14 which is their first departure out of Egypt. Y'all know the Bible, right? God says, y'all need to remember when I hardened Pharaoh's heart. And, um, you know, I, I let y'all go, but then I said, you know, they need to trust me a little bit more. So you're standing at the Red Sea, and, and then there's also people behind you chasing you to kill you, and you thought there was no way out. He says, remember what I did. So I, I, I actually blinded them overnight so you can get your stuff together. Not only that, but he says, I let that up, and then they follow you even some more. And what, what, what happens? He says, I talked to my servant Moses, and what does he tell Moses? Moses, gather them all together, because what I'm about to do, I'm about to shut things down. What I want you to do is I want you to go and look at that Red Sea, and I want you to lift up your hand. And what happens? The sea splits. Yeah, and then they walk on dry land. That's a miracle in and of itself. God says, remember that. But that's not it, because I didn't just leave you at making a way, because remember, they're still following you. It says, I'll let you go in first, and then they'll follow behind you. Watch this, and I'm going to cause a distraction once again. I'm still making ways. I'll cause them to be turned around. So while you're exiting out of the Red Sea, they'll be in the middle of it and confused. But what I want to show you and them is I'm in control. So he creates a confusion and then lifts up that confusion. And then uh, they, uh, they go after the Israelites. And what happens? God says, Moses, you've been listening to me back then. And I need you to listen to me just a little bit more. Lift up your hand again and watch what I do. Moses lifts up his hand. And what happens? The water comes crashing down. And they're defeated. Because God made a way. This is him making ways, and he's calling them, even though they're complaining, even though they're grumbling, even though they're frustrated, he's saying, remember what I have done. Think about it. Look back and remember. But I got confused with the next 
verse. He says this in, in verse 18. Watch, watch how the text just confuses you. Y'all probably get confused too. I got confused when I read it. It says, verse 18, do not remember the past events. But you just told me to think about all the things that you've been doing. Watch this. He says, don't remember them or pay no attention to the things of old. I said, well, Lord, I thanked you for the things you brought me out of. I then did the hucklebuck for the things you, the ways you made. Some of us, I don't know if y'all speaking tongues, but some of y'all probably, yeah, 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 yeah. So thank you, Lord. You, 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 you told me to remember it. But this is what he says. He says, yes, I want you to remember it, but don't you limit my power to what I did in the past. Don't, don't, don't get stuck in what I've done before because what I'm doing now is much greater than what I've done before. This, this, this brings me to my next point. Don't limit God's power to your past. Don't, don't limit God's power to your past. God is reminding the Israelites to take a glance at the past, but watch this, not to live in the past. Now, why should we glance back and not live there? I'm glad y'all asked. Y'all asked all the right questions. It's because there is some dangers in living in your past. Can I give you a few of them? Is that all right? Is that all right? Come on, y'all, y'all bear with me. Y'all bear with me. Just, just a little bit. Here, here's some dangers of living in the past. Here's one. You get complacent. Amen. We get cozy. We, we, we like to be where nothing gets stirred up. Oh, I feel good. You know, I'm, God's just been good to me. The bills are paid. The kids ain't going crazy. Me and the wife ain't arguing about three weeks. We, we like that. We, we like what's comfortable for us, but then we get too comfortable. We get too comfortable, and, and here's the problem. When we get too comfortable, here's the number two one. You, it stunts your growth. I, I love going to therapy with my wife. I love it, and I recommend it to anybody and everybody. You don't have to have a big problem in your life. Just go. I'm sure there's something in there that you need to just, <laughs> just, you need to let it out, okay? But, but I love going, I love going. And um, for the first time I went, maybe like two, two, um, two months ago, our first time I went by myself, I didn't go with my wife, and I thought, I was like, I'm not like the biggest talker or like conversations just, it, I, I have to be interested in the conversation in order to be engaged, right? So I'm going in and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna talk about. I'm driving by myself, I'm like, Lord, let me just drum up some things that I can just maybe help me get to th- through. Because this is an hour. We got an hour ahead of us. Help your boy out. Right? So I get there, and, and the very first thing she always asks is, how have you been? I say, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm doing all right. And then I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> Not good. And then, look, that hour, I was like, wait, I need more time. I, <laughs> I got a lot more to say, right? And so she's, she's like, yeah, remember, you know, how, how have you been? But what she's doing is she's getting me to look back at what was happening for me. 
But she doesn't end the, the, the conversation there, right? At the end of it, she says, now what are we going to do to make better what was bad? Because she's giving me some things to help me figure out, okay, this is what's happened in the past, but I need to move on from where I've been. Y'all missed it. A lot of us are stuck in the past because we fail to deal with what is going on. So we don't ever grow because we never dealt with what the past was. So every now and then, it's good for you to say, man, let me take a step back. And look at what, is, what has happened or what, ha- what is happening and then say, now how can I grow from this? You don't want to ma- remain complacent because it stunts, how, you stunts your growth. God's calling us to move further. I got to move. I got to move. Here, here's another one when we uh, remain in the past. It's, it's bad stewardship. And in particular, it's bad stewardship of our time. It's bad stewardship of our time. I like the way... Uh, Jen Wilkins says it in her book, um, None Like Him. She says, trusting God with our time means we have to make good of the time that we are given. She goes on and says, redeeming the time requires letting the past stay in the past. We can cling to the past by indulging in two different ways, two different emotions, sinful nostalgia and regret. When we remain there, this is what happens to us. If we remain in the past of how I used to do things, I know my wife's favorite thing to say when we was dating was, you know, that's, that's not you. I know your parents and everybody else is saying, that's just the way Vernon is. But if I remain there, I'll never grow. I have to deal with it. And some of those things were sinful. How I respond to people, lashing out in anger for no reason. And they all, they said it was something that I disliked. I have to deal with those things. And so if I don't deal with them, I remain in in those areas, but I also do not maximize the time that God has given me now. Here's, here's, Here's the last one. Dangers of living in the past, you miss opportunities. That simple. You you just miss opportunities. If you remain in the past, you miss opportunities. I like the way... um, uh, Dr. Evans puts it. He, he, he's just a brilliant guy. If you ever want to read a book, read a book from him. He's just, or a sermon. He's just amazing. Anyway, he says this. He says, if you spend all your time today thinking about your failures and your success of yesterday, then you ruin your tomorrow. When today looks too long at yesterday, we borrow from tomorrow's time. He goes on and says, yesterday, I was looking in the rearview mirror, and um, uh, he was looking as he was driving, and he used his rearview mirror. Everybody has a rearview mirror. Y'all don't drive in New York. I'm going to help y'all. Rearview mirror sits right there, okay? Every now and then you need to just, you know, who's behind you, you know, make sure ain't nobody running after y'all, y'all. Never mind, doesn't matter. Um, so what he says is you, 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 you look in the rearview mirror. You take a glance at, at what happened, and you keep going. But he says it's dangerous if you live in the rearview mirror. Because watch this. You'll do two things. You'll hurt yourself, but you'll also hurt others. He says, yeah, yeah th- this, this rearview mirror is only to show you what has happened. But if I stay here, it's not good for anybody and not good for myself. But he says this. What's in front of the rearview mirror is a much bigger picture. And that's, that's the, uh, the windshield. 
And so when we're going forward, if we're focused on that little piece, this is where we get stuck. We all want to focus on all oh, those glory days of when I did this yeah. and that. But God is saying, I have a much bigger picture for where I... Says, don't live, don't live, don't you live in the past? Because what I have for you in the future is much greater, it's much bigger. Don't limit God's power to your past. Because what I have for you now is much greater. This is what our call is to the Christian life: is to move forward, looking forward. Yes, glancing every now and then on what God has done, but our job is to move forward. Don't stare too long. The past is there to propel us and also to get us to see that the same God who worked back then is the same God who is still working today. I'm almost done. But this is my last point. And it's this. God is at work in your present. Remember, he tells you to look back. Then he says, don't stay there. Don't you limit my power to that. But here it is. God is still at work. He's at work in your present. Verse 19 says, look, I am doing a new thing. I like the way the ESV says it. It says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. It says, even now. But he asks a question, do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert God tells the people to look at how I've made a way back then, but don't get stuck there because I'm doing something new in you. Friends, the Israelites, they, they wanted God to do it the way they wanted him to do it. Here's some dangers in that. When, when we try to do it ourselves or we want things, the new thing to look the way we want it, then God's not in control. We are, or so we think we are. They, they couldn't see what God was doing. How do I know? Because time and time again, they, they, would, they would yell to the leaders and to God, if you just left us where we were, we were fine. If we just remained where we were, we would have been fine. We would have been serving them. We would have had food. We would, they just could not see where God was taking them. They complained. But here's, here's, here's what God says. And, he, and this is also what they didn't understand, is that they were in bondage, but they were okay with it. Many of us, we're, we're stuck in the past, and we don't even see that we're in chains. But we also don't see that God is trying to free us from them. He says, this is my goal for you. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to purify you. I want you to look different. This, is, this goes to the sermon last week where it's talking about our brokenness. We should be broken about our sin. But we're not. I'm in the boat with you. There are certain things that I'm not broken about, but I should be. And God's putting me in position and in, 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 in situations where I can be broken about these things so I can be purified. He's put me through the fire so that I can come to look like somebody that's really not me, but it's him. It says, 
I'm, 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 I'm trying to purify you. They did not see that they were being purified. God was showing them not just that they need to be purified, but that he could do a greater thing for them. But he ultimately is showing him or showing them himself. A lot of times we don't get the oohs and the ahs when all we get is the Lord. We're not satisfied when the only thing we get is him. This is not a sermon just for you. This is a sermon that I daily live because there are things and there's freedoms that God gives us, but I am not satisfied with just having him. I'm just going to be honest up in here. I just... I don't know how, what else to be. Lord, I wish you would do certain things for me. Lord, why aren't you doing certain things for me? But he's saying, am I enough? What if I don't give you anything else? You know, we always say, if he never does anything else, he's done enough. But what is the enough? Is it the things that you have that's enough? Or is it him that's enough? (laughs) He's showing us himself. What they wanted to see wasn't what God was showing them. And so often, if we're honest, we feel the same way. You know, we have prayers like this. Lord, provide me a new car and a new job. Give me that house I want. Here's a prayer of mine. Lord, give us some kids. Just being honest. Lord, heal this person. Lord, remove this person from my life. Hello, somebody. <laughs> right? How about this? Lord, send somebody. Everybody's like, yes, yes. Lord, I need it. Here's, here's a common prayer if you don't know exactly what you're asking for. Lord, open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. We, we love prayers like that. A bunch of stuff. And these are good things sometimes. It's good for him to provide kids. It's good for him to provide a job. It's good. All these things are good. But when our prayer lives are, are, are only a, a shopping list, little do we pray this, these type of prayers. Lord, help me see things the way you see things. Help me to know that you're enough. If we're honest, the problem isn't that God isn't doing something. The real problem is he's not doing it the way we want him to do it. I'm stepping on my own toes. I'll close with this. There's, there was a father and a son who were walking through an art gallery, and they, they were looking at the stuff, and the, the father would go to his son, and he was like, look, son, look at that. Do you see that? He was like, yes, daddy. And, and then the dad would read the little sign about who, wrote, who made it and what is it made out of, and then he would go and say, look at that, son, that's so beautiful. And he'd say, yes, that is so great. And he would keep going throughout the whole art gallery. And then there was a big giant room. And the father walked in 
on one side and the son walked in on the other side and the father stood there and said, wow, man, that's amazing. And, and the son stood on the other side and says, daddy, I don't see it. And the father said, son, look, don't you see this? And look at that. Look, this is that. And the son sits there and he says, dad, I think you crazy because I don't, I don't see what you see. And, and, and the father said, son, but if you look, and then he realized, he said, he looked over at his son, he said, oh. And what he did was he took his son and he moved him over here and he looked and, he, and the son said, dad, I see it now. Here's what our life should look like. A lot of times we want God to do it, but we're standing in our own perspective and we never see it from his perspective. And a lot of times we need to align ourselves up with how God is doing things and stop wanting things to be the way we want them to be. And we say, Lord, man, I didn't see it when I was back then. And you've been working on me and you've been putting me in situations where I had to do no other thing but trust you. And the more I trusted you, the more you started to give my perspective a little bit different. And then I, I trust you some more and then you made a way and yeah, you did these things. And then next thing I knew, I was standing in the, in the, in the way where it says, Lord, I see exactly what you're doing. And watch this. We echo the words of Jesus, not my will, but thy will be done. Is it okay for us to want new things? Absolutely. I have dreams and aspirations of what I want to see God move in in my life. I want him to do some great works. And he is doing a new thing. But what if the new thing doesn't look like what I want it to be? Am I okay with what God is doing? Here's, here's what he's doing. He's doing a new thing in us to get us to look like Jesus Christ. Every day, we should be pulled and put in positions where we have to surrender our will for his will. And watch this. This is not easy. I'm here to say it. It's not easy. First year of our marriage, we get pregnant twice and God takes all of them. And I'm not saying that y'all's problem aren't, you know, y'all got other problems. Yes, I, we could go down a list. We could pass the microphone from, the, from here to Africa and we will hear a bunch of problems. But what God is saying is, what, what is how do you look at this? What perspective are you taking from this? Is it just that, you know, Lord, I'm struggling and I'm bearing my cross, but, or is it I'm being grown to look like Jesus Christ? Watch this. Here's some promises that God gives you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is that promise enough? Is his presence enough? This is what we have to ask ourselves. Yes, he's doing a new thing, but in him doing the new thing, is it what we want him to do or is it what he wants to do? Ultimately, Jesus does a new thing. He does a new thing when he gets off his rightful throne and comes to earth. That's new. What king have you seen that ever just gave up something rightfully? He 
comes from a Virgin Mary. New. You talking about new? Oh, that's that boy who don't know his daddy. I bet you that was new then. New. Submits himself to being fed by his parents. A king. God in the flesh. New. Let me rush. Let me rush. New. When he stands before the people and they say, give us Barabbas rather than being convicted for something he never did. New. Taking up an old rugged cross. Going up Golgotha's hill. Watch this. Here's some new things. As he's dying, he's screaming out on you, (laughs) on your behalf and mine. That's new. New, being put in someone else's tomb. Don't even belong to him. New, experiencing the wrath of God. New, waiting three days before he gets up. Because I'm going to show people that when I get up, this is going to be real new. I'm going to get with all power in my hand. And he did that for you. He did that for me. And from this, what God is calling us to, what he's doing new in us is this. He's calling us to be holy. He's calling us to be set apart, not to look the way everybody else looks. We're not doing this to save ourselves. It's already been done. But he does call us to work. What is the work? To submit to what he's doing. To submit that he's doing something. And how about this? The the something that he's doing is in me. He's changing my perspective. He's changing my mind. He's changing my heart so that every step of my life is being made purified because of what Jesus has done. Do you see it? Do you see it? I ask once again, do you see it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. that you are indeed a gracious and good God. That you would give us your son Jesus Christ to pay the penalty that we deserve. Should have been us. But yet you decide, I'm going to bridge the gap between God and man and I'm going to go give my son who will be the complete satisfaction of my wrath, who will put to death sin and death itself, and I will get up victorious. Jesus Christ will reign victoriously because of the work that he has done on the cross for us. So Lord, we submit, knowing that he has done everything, we submit to what you are doing in us. You will give us great and precious promises, yes. But the greatest thing we could ever get is to know you. 
to know that there is a, a God who loved us so much who would give us the very best gift. So Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for what you are doing in and through us so that when people see us, they would say, what must I do to be saved? Not because of anything we're doing, but because we are reflecting the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to see it, Lord. Help us to walk in holiness. Help us to walk upright and blameless before you. But we need your power to do that. Help us to not give in to our sinful desires, but help us to walk in a way that glorifies your great and righteous name. Help us to live in this way. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. And every glad heart said, amen. Amen.